This year, we are chronologically looking at uh, studying, unpacking God's Word from literally uh, last week, Brandon taught on Genesis chapter 1. And so, I want you to say a couple of words with me, uh, meta and narrative. Who knows what that means? What's it mean, Terry? The big story, that's it. And in this case, the meta-narrative, the Bible, is the big story of God. That's right. And um, a neat part of the big story of God is that in the end of it, um, when we see the dream take place in Revelation, um, we get to be a part of that. Like, we're in the story. And um, God is doing things. He's unpacking those truths even today. Um, We see his prophecies coming to fruition. We see all these things happening, and we get to be a part of that. Um, as our forefathers, our Christian brothers and sisters have for years and years. And um, this morning, we are going to be diving into Genesis 12. Um, Let's be honest for just a minute. If studying the Bible, and I'm going to give you a chance to kind of look around at the answer here. If studying the Bible has ever been a little confusing or hard to get or hard to understand that you might have scratched your head. If studying God's word has been difficult for you ever in your life, just raise your hand. Now look around. Okay? It's pretty much everybody. Here's the thing. There's another word called canon. So our forefathers in leadership and theology and doctrine got together years and years ago, and they put together these books that felt like they were the, the, the ones that God had designed for us to hear from. And that's where we got the canon. And I'm trying to make it as simple as I can for us just to grab this, okay? Um, but that's where our books of the Bible, that's where these books come from, the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're, they're compacted for us, for us to understand. It, it, is, it is complete. It is the, uh, what I believe is the inerrant word of God. It's without error. And it's, it's his. He spoke it. He uh, delivered it to those people. And they wrote it down, Okay? And I believe that we see that even in Scripture that God tells us to write down things that he says to do. And today we're going to talk even a little bit about that. But what we have here and what we're starting is kind of a historical look at how God started the world. So this first series, if you will, and it's going to last a while. It's going to last four or five weeks. It's called In the Beginning. And In the Beginning means more than just the Garden of Eden, okay? It means how God literally set up the precepts, how he set up uh, the prophets, how he set up all these things, and he's going to set things in motions for the way that he intended them to be forever. Now, that's important. God doesn't change. God doesn't come up with, next week, God's not going to come up with this great new idea. That's just not the way he works. That's the way we work. That's the way we think. It makes sense to us if, if that happened, but God never changes. Literally, y'all need to understand this. Brandon talked about this, that God spoke this world into being. With you and me, he did something a little different. It says that he formed us with his hands, and then he breathed into us the life that we have. That's the intimacy. And, and then even with, with the woman, he took the bone out. There's just so much intimacy with the human creation that God did with us. 
And so he spoke the world into existence. He formed us with his hands, breathed life into us with his own breath. How awesome is that? And that's how we live today. That's how things are going today. I know that many of you um, were doing your thing Monday night and you saw this terrible accident on a, on a football field, this terrible incident, but you might not have noticed that the one thing that happens whenever tragedy happens, y'all, it doesn't matter what happens around us, our, it's instinctly in us. Even the most lost of the lost, even the biggest, uh, quote, atheist of the atheist, when that tragedy hits, you cry out to somebody, don't you? You begin to pray even though you might not have ever prayed before. And you saw that taking place even to the fact of secular television. An announcer just said, I can't do anything but pray right now and literally led a prayer to Jesus Christ on national television. Now see, here's what happens is this. That's how depraved we are as a society and as, as people. But that's also how good God is that he gives us a way to him instantly. And so I want you to see this connection that God is going to speak today in Genesis chapter 12 to Abram. But if you listen, he may be speaking to you today through what he says to Abram. Y'all look, there's no doubt in my mind that God wants to do great things in and through you. There's no doubt in my mind that God wants to do great things in and through this church, in this community, and that we would impact the world for Jesus Christ. But you have to see yourself as a child of his, as someone that he speaks to, and know it's not your great works and your great things, it's him actually doing it through you. In the scripture today, yesterday, the, the scripture that we're, we're reading do you remember that, that now a name has been changed, Sarah to Sarah? You remember that? And Sarah's looking at like this time span of not having children. Like she's in it. But God says, you're going to have a child. And she begins to what? Laugh. And she laughs and God hears her and calls her out on it. And God basically says that, is there nothing too great for me? And y'all look. We're living in a time and an age, if you don't stare at Jesus, you will be depressed, angry, sad, all that stuff, because Satan is doing such a great job in our culture, He's, he, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get too far out on this, we can have a conversation if you'd like to, call me, let's go grab coffee, but he, he literally is being strategic about how he gets you information. Hear what I'm saying here. Okay, it's very strategic. It's, it's, we are in a battle. Y'all with me? If you believe the Bible, then you know that we're in a battle. Okay, and, and, it's, and he's our enemy. You're not my enemy, by the way. Sometimes I might get mad at you. You might get mad at me, but we are not enemies. Right? The spirit of, of the devil. The enemy is not flesh and blood. But the principalities of darkness is what the scripture says. And you need to understand that if you keep your eyes on that stuff, you're going to be, in essence, keeping your eyes off God. In Genesis 12, 
God gives Abram some simple things that are out there. And you need to remember, this is all making sense. It's chronological. It's not, it's not make-believe. We're actually getting to draw some lines. Now, who kind of gets bored when you're reading with all the names and all the stuff and all the lineage? And it kind of gets a, a little interesting. But just understand that Abram is not some, poof, here's Abram, here's Abraham. He's actually in the line, right? He actually got here from the beginning. He's in the line. He's following through. Shem, like great-granddad, I think. Then there's this other guy. Who's Shem's dad? Y'all help me. Noah, right? Okay, so this all happened. This, is all, this isn't just poof on the spot stuff. This is all coming down. So watch this. Just in the lineage question, does the way you raise your children matter? You better believe it. We're only one generation from our family not believing in God anymore, right? It always matters what you do, and it matters what your kids do. You know I have two married adult sons, and I've talked to both of them prolifically about raising their families in church with God being a follower and a disciple of Jesus. This is important for the days ahead, y'all, and I'm just going to, you can call me a prophet if you want to. Leave that the church is going to look different in the future. I've sat with many of the seasoned saints, and they say, well, I just want church like this, or I just want it like that. I've even sat with people in my generation and younger that say, I want church like this and like that. Y'all listen to me about the way we do church. The only thing that matters about the way we do church is this word right here. Okay? If you're getting upset about a, a, a version of the Bible or the style of music or whatever, you need to turn to the New Testament and show me that anywhere because it is just not there. The fact that, that we meet in homes and we break bread and we meet together in the temple courts and we do these things together, that is the crux of the church. So let us press into that in the days ahead. Genesis 12, 1 through 9. You ready? Let's dive in here and see what God says to Abram and Sarah. Sarai, excuse me. The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed, as the Lord has instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham, I'm sorry, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Seshem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you uh, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, this morning I pray 
that as the folks have gathered here today, that it would be to hear from you. As we have come together to fellowship and to study your word, that we would lay our own agendas aside. That we wouldn't have a perceived notion that we would just go in and say, God, speak to me today so that I can hear you and be immediately obedient to you and then worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. This is like uh, your cell phone rings and it's your dad calling telling you what to do, right? Here's some things you need to do. God is telling Abram, here's what I want you to do. Does God tell us what to do? Sure he does. The Lord instructs Abram right here. The first thing he does is he instructs Abram. The scripture says, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I show you. I was in seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Anybody been to Louisville, Kentucky before? It's one of my favorite cities in America. I love Louisville. It's just a neat place. Four seasons. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And Pam and I have started our, our marriage there. We're doing school. I'm in school. She's, she's actually supporting me. You know how that goes, right? And uh, so she's teaching, and I'm doing school and everything, and um, we're figuring out how to be married and all that great stuff. Well, I have a brother who's a little bit older than me, Charles, and he's doing the same thing. He's actually over at uh, Mid-American Seminary in Kansas City, and he's over there doing kind of the same thing. Well, he's a little bit before me, so he graduates, goes, starts life and stuff like that. And so we go to our next place in life, and uh, I, I get a phone call from Charles one day. And says, Robert, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's up? And he said, well, I told mom and dad this last night, but God's calling us to go on the mission field. I'm leaving the church, leaving all this stuff, and we're going on the mission field. Okay, great. So I'm thinking, you know, go plant a church in Texas or in Wyoming or somewhere cool like that. And, you know, we can go on trips and stuff and see him. Nope. He's going to Barcelona, Spain, in downtown Barcelona, in this little tiny apartment. And all these things, this world I can't even imagine of zillions of people that live in the city. And we're supposed to be like, yay, go God, right? My mom especially. You know? When God calls you, sometimes it's not the easiest thing for you to do, to follow, right? Sometimes you hear the Lord or you, you know something's what you're supposed to be doing, and you kind of go, ah, I'm not so sure about that. How has the Lord instructed you? What are some things you know you heard from the Lord, but you just kind of blew them off? You didn't write them down. You didn't think about it again. You just kind of let it go. Y'all look, there have been times where I've heard the Spirit. I'll just tell you a story and I'm not proud of this story. I'm a little bit ashamed of this story. When I was in high school, our church was in downtown Jackson, Mississippi. And right across the street was this area called Fondren. Um, there, there, there's this famous drugstore called Brent's. It was in the movie The Help. 
Um, and we used to ride our bikes to, to Brent's and eat hot hamburgers and cherry Coke, like really from the fountain deal, like it was real deal, okay? And they'd make it and stuff, really awesome. Well, I was, I was at our church doing Wednesday night youth group because I was a leader, you know. You know. Hey, Robert, would you run to Jitney Jungle? Does anybody know Jitney Jungle? Please, somebody, come on. Mm. Run to Jitney Jungle and get whatever it was. So I got to go over there and I got to get whatever it was at Jitney and I get there, and I'm, I'm finishing, and I'm running to my car to get back, and there's this lady. You know the one with the cart full of stuff that needs a lot of help, that whatever, and she's that lady. And y'all, that was a long time ago. But I can see that lady's face in my mind right now. And I remember not helping her. And I remember the Lord saying, help her. But I didn't. He speaks in little ways, like help the lady at the grocery store. And he speaks in big ways, like you're going to be moving your family to Barcelona, Spain. The problem comes when we start to ignore God. And it becomes a habit. We love God. We love his things. We love his people. We love to come and worship. We love these things. But it becomes more about us than about him. Let's see what happens in this story. Verse 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. We all want to hear that, right? Well, yes, I'll do that. It's a little bit different here. God knows what he's up to. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God makes some promises to Abram. God has made promises to you. Do you realize that? Here's something that I need to address real quick. And, and, and I'll probably say this again in this, in this study. Because what we're understanding in life right now, this is going to be a hard thing I'm going to say, so just kind of get ready. We're understanding in life through psychology and counseling and those things that a lot of us on planet Earth... A lot of us in America have what we call daddy wounds, father wounds. Hear me now. When we refer to God as the father, that's, his, that's one of his characteristics as God is father. This is a perfect father without blemish or fault. Our heavenly father will not give you any wounds. Our heavenly father will heal your wounds. You need to hear that. Because a lot of times when we think God the Father, we actually see our Father. And sometimes for some of us, that's not a good thing. Because we actually want nothing to do with God the Father. Because we're comparing Him to ours. And I don't want you to do that, folks. God is perfect. He is the Heavenly Father that loves you and wants to heal you. He makes promises to us through His Word. Where does He make promises? In His Word, His Spirit, His people. He makes these promises. They come through us, through His Word. Don't get away from God's Word. I hear people all the time talk with authority about God and about the Scripture. And there, there's one critical missing element. And it's that they never crack open the book. They don't study it. They don't read it. They don't pray through it. 
They certainly don't apply it to their life. So God is instructing Abram. He's making promises to him. And it would be like God telling us to do something. And if you do this, you will prosper. If you, you know what? And it's so funny. Because God gets a bad rap. Because in scripture, people, people say God didn't come through for me and stuff like that. Like that. This is what happens in God. He says something. He says, this is what will happen if you do this. And then God's people, okay, Lord, I'll do that. They do it for half a second, and then they go back to their own ways. Right? It's kind of like saying, God, thanks, but I got this. Oh, and I'll take your good stuff along the way. I've said this before, that there's some things in Scripture, in the Bible, that God says that make us kind of scratch our head. Did you know there's even points in the scripture where God says, test me and try me in this? One of the things that preachers, you know, we always get a bad rap. We could never even, you know, I haven't even talked about money or giving right now, right? I haven't done it. I just did, I guess. So that's all I preached on today. That's all I did. Yeah. So God says, he says that if you tithe, literally in Malachi 3.10, he says, if you do this, that I will open up the floodgates and you won't have to worry about anything. He goes on to say, test me in this. I want you to know, Pam and I, when we were in seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, we were at Walnut Street Baptist Church. We were just members. I was doing another job. And we looked at each other one day and said, you know what? We're being disobedient to God. We're not tithing. I had like six part-time jobs, honestly. She had her job. We said, look, whatever our income, let's just tithe. Let's just 10% straight off the top. Let's do it. Do you know something? We have never been hungry. We've never been roofless. Okay? We've always had wheels. We've always had all these needs that in our culture we need to get by and do our thing. And I believe one of the reasons is because God is faithful to his promises. And he loves his children. So, God instructs Abram. He makes his promises, and then what else is key here? It's on us at this point. Obedience is key to following God. So Abram argued with God. Is that what it says in verse 4? No, that's not what it says. It says, Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Now, speaking of earthly dads, I know that y'all can't believe this. But there were times where I disobeyed my father. I know. I know that's hard to believe. There are times where when Frank would tell me to do something, I would say, I got it. I'm good. Thank you. And I would do my own thing or my own way. Nine times out of ten, that was a bad choice. And it wasn't like I was just straight disobeying something and I would get in trouble. It was like my dad was trying to watch out for me and he was trying to train me and get me going in the right direction and I would just be dumb and try to do my own thing and I'd always, 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 what? Circle back and do it the way he said to do it. To the point that about 10 years ago, we were in my backyard and I'm building this shed, I'm getting this shed, I'm building a, a workbench for it and everything like that. And Truman, I had in my mind the way it should go, but I had one thing that was going against what was in my mind. You know what it was? 
My dad was in the shed with me. Okay? Jeff, you know where this is going. I'm an adult man. Right? And my, my dad's sitting over there, you know? The foreman, you know? Right? Brandon, you don't know nothing about this. My dad's sitting over there. I don't know what I'd do that. What are you doing that for? Why are you putting that there? Dad, what, how do you want me to build the thing? You know, finally. If you've been in my shed, you know I have a very nice table. Right under the ledge. It's a really nice deal. Got a saw, the whole deal. You know what? Listening to your father is a good thing. Abram, right here, departed as the Lord has instructed. He didn't fight him back. He didn't argue with him. He did what God said to do. Obedience is the key to following God. This obedience doesn't end well, folks. And if we're walking chronologically, you know, it's so hard when you're doing this and you're reading every day. Who's been reading every day so far? I want to encourage you. It's not too far. We've got some handouts that you can, you can track with us. And by the way, just so you know, every Sunday for this whole entire year, our sermons are planned, although they're not ready yet, but they're there, okay? Because we're going to be teaching on what we read. So if you're reading with us, you've even seen already that disobedience doesn't go well. Anybody want to volunteer to be Lot's wife in the play? You know what I mean? Literally, the angel of the Lord said, don't turn around, Get your stuff and go and don't turn around. And Lot's wife literally went like this. Like that. Pillar of salt. Boom. Just like that. Our disobedience will cost us, folks. Don't be disobedient to God. Why? God has big plans. Who's got some wild dreams? I do too. Thanks, PJ. Only me and PJ do, I guess. Oh, yep, Megan does too. It's great. Who's got wild dreams? Let me see your hands. I mean, I want to see some hands in here. It's true. God's are bigger than yours. God's plans for you are bigger than yours. Listen to what he says here. So Abram does what he says he's, what God tells him to do. And in verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Who? To his what? We have what? So you're telling me, first of all, that this land's all going to be mine, number one. And then number two, it's also going to be my what? Y'all say it. Descendants. That would mean that I would have to have children. And what we see is Sarah is barren and struggling and not having children. So how in the world can God's big plans come true? Because I can't have kids. God's plans are bigger than yours. 
What happens is this, y'all. This is just what happens. We start by looking at God. And we say, God, whatever you want, whatever you do, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. And then God says something like descendants to us. And we go, oh, man. I knew it. I knew it was good. I mean, come on. We don't keep our eyes and go, yes, Lord. Whatever you do. We'll get to the Samuel passage later, but you remember, here I am. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What we've done so often is we say, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. Right? And God wants us just to obey him. And just do what he says because his plans are bigger than ours. Don't miss God's big plans. Now watch this. God's big plans can happen in the everyday small things. You've all heard the story about how Billy Graham got saved. You've all heard the story about, about little small town things that became great big things. Anybody like a Chick-fil-A? Go read the story. God's big plans can happen in your everyday, quote-unquote, little life. That's, I just, what do I bring to the table? Well, you actually might go to work every day, or you actually might have to go to the Winn-Dixie, or to the Walmart, or somewhere, and you might meet somebody, and you might, you ready? The little stuff that you do by shining the light of Jesus Christ may have big plans and big effects down the road for somebody else somewhere else, because you were faithful. God's big plans, you ready? Include you. Don't miss this. And this is where I want to just kind of give an aside that if you're not following Jesus, it's time. If you're not walking in the Lord, it is time. If you're not applying His word to your life on a daily basis, it's time. Stop everything else. Stop the presses. I'm here to tell you, there's going to be a day where nothing else is more important than your obedience to God. And I want to encourage you, friend to friend, I'd even beg you, if you're not following Jesus, drop everything and go after Him. And here's what happens in this story. Just trace this for a minute. God instructs Abram. He makes some promises to him. Abram's obedient because God has these big plans we don't see. His obedience, not, his, he's, he's not obedient because of the big plans. He's obedient because he's obedient. Okay? God has big plans. Sometimes we doubt those things. We scratch our head. But he always does. And then finally, this is what we do. We should always give God the glory. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him after that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. The first thing he did, you ready? There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south toward the Negev. Here's the thing that we need to see. In all these things in our life, as God instructs us, instructs us as he makes promises to us, as we obey him, as we walk in his plans, his big plans, always in our life we worship him. 
Do you do that with your life? Can I, can I tell y'all a story? I do anyway, right? Of course you are, preacher. You got the mic. Who knows that I love to hunt? Anybody? Of course you do. I love to hunt. I love to deer hunt. I've been deer hunting since I was a little kid. As a matter of fact, when uh, my dad would take us all out, this was, you know, this was early in the South when whitetail weren't as popular as they are now. Like, I would make sure that I had enough blankets because really it was just good nap time. This uh, week I had an opportunity to go hunting for a day or two with my son. And Pam will tell you, I've been circling a prayer, you know, that I, need, that I want this deer, that I need this deer, right? Now, it may sound silly to y'all. But I'm sitting in there, and I missed a day of my reading, so I brought my Bible into the shooting house with me, right, Truman? And so I'm sitting there reading, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some prayers answered. I'm seeing some stuff, and I'm like, God, I really do like deer sausage. I really do. Can I get an amen, somebody? I saw it. I saw it. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray specifically. We've got some deer on camera, and I'd really like one of those bucks. I'm just going to pray that. Y'all, I've been hunting a long time. And on our specific land, I've never had a big buck walk out right in in front of me. And it wasn't the biggest buck that's ever in the history of the world, but it was just one we had on camera. And it was the one, hallelujah, that is going to be in my freezer. Okay? You know what I did? Now, Now, seriously, this is the story because this is a life story. It's not just a hunting story. I got down and I was looking for traces of the deer. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay? And I saw none. And I'd had some problems with my gun in, in, in Thanksgiving week. And I got, did some work, thank you, Kenny Barrett, and getting me straight and where I needed to be. And I knew, I was like, there's no way I missed that deer. There's no way I missed that deer. And so I started to pray, honestly, like out loud praying, like talking to God over a silly deer. Isn't that hilarious? Okay? And so I get in the woods, and then I see a sign, and I start to hallelujah right there. Y'all look, if we can't give God the praise and the glory in the little things and we expect to be able to do it in the big things, you're missing what God is trying to do. God wants to be there with you 24-7. He wants you to be able to call out in prayer that you need this or want this or it's a desire of your heart and he wants to be able to bless you. I am not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about you give this and you get your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a perfect heavenly father that wants to bless his children. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you just like he did Abram. Just like he did Sarah. Just like he did all the descendants that numbered like the stars in the sky. God loves you. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, today we see that this story is intimate, it's relational, it's about Abram and Sarah, but it's also about us. And God, I pray as you Instruct us, you teach us that we obey you and that we always worship you. 
no matter if we can see the big plans you have for us or not. Let us humble ourselves. Let us come to you today and give you all the credit and glory you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.